We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. going on pacer nation welcome back to another episode here of setting the pace i'm your host alex golden and joining me is the man ready to answer some questions michael j Fachi. Fachi, what do we got going on today oh it's a good old-fashioned mailbag episode alex i'm not gonna make the same mistake that i've made many times to say that we're delivering mail today because that is not the case we will be reading the mail yeah. i don't know if that's worse because it's illegal reading someone else's mail but here we are today so, Absolutely. Well, before we get started, let me ask you this, Fachi, because I got a question for you. Um, do you have like this? Do you have this problem with having two jars of peanut butter in your house? Because I don't understand what the big deal is with your wife accidentally buying some crunchy peanut butter that you won't let her go get some creamy. I mean, come on, man. She's pregnant. What are we doing here? It's not okay. It's not that I'm not letting her. She can do whatever. <laughs> We made a grocery list together. She bought the wrong peanut butter, and then she tried it, and then I'm hearing it's my fault, and I'm just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like, so she, you know, she's oh, crunchy peanut butter. Should I throw it out? And it's like, well, could you, why don't you try it first? You know, it's actually and I like crunchy peanut, peanut butter. We had some earlier. It was it was fine. You know, it might not be anyone's go to. But you know, it's not like it's like stale or hideous or anything. But I'm sure we're I'm sure we're just gonna have to buy some new peanut butter. I mean, just just finish out the crunchy yourself and let her get some creamy. I mean, what's uh, she she had to post about it on her Instagram story, so that's why I was like, man, this seems like a big deal. Was this, was this a fight at the house or no? No, not at all. I mean, we have one friend who's like oddly obsessed with crunchy peanut butter, so I, I think she was like, you know what? Let me see what the people want. You know, what do they have okay. to say about peanut butter? And, and yet here we are. I feel like I'm about to be buying some peanut butter in my near future. <laughs> all right, Bachi. Well, now that we got that out of the way, I just want to clear that up. 
let's start things off with the mailbag. All right. So uh, question number one, Aaron M., a loyal, longtime faithful listener. Yeah. Aaron, we appreciate you. He said, is this offseason the most crucial one in the last five to ten years for the Pacers? Man, uh, you know, I, I do think it's important. But calling it the most important is, to me, kind of a little bit overdramatic, Flatchy. Um, you know, they have a great opportunity here to add key pieces before Halliburton gets his max contract the next offseason. But with how the league is, things change so quickly. So I'm not going to say it's the most important, but I do think it's important. I just I just feel like it's kind of hard to say the most important. I think probably one of the most important for, uh, you know, offseasons was when Paul George requested that trade and how everything went. So I don't think it's at that level, but I do think it's big. So I actually have this offseason just behind then because that Paul George trade shifted the pace to a totally different direction. And then when they got Oladipo and Sabonis, like that was huge. It felt like the next start. But I do think this is a really big offseason. I thought last offseason was supposed to be a really big one too. But the Pacers unfortunately whiffed on DeAndre Ayton becoming a Pacer. When they traded uh, Brogdon, it was you know for Neesmith, the future pick, cap space. Drafting Matherin and Nemhard was very big. So last year was big. I think this offseason is going to be even bigger. But I do think that 2017 offseason was like a total franchise-changing offseason. But now let's let's factor in why this offseason could be so big. You could have four picks in the top 32. You got cap space. Anything could happen. But Alex, I took a trip down memory lane. I looked at the Pacers' recent offseasons. And whoa. There ain't a lot to be proud about. Let's look in 2020. This was the offseason for the Pacers. They traded TJ Leaf and a second-round pick for Jalen McHugh. They signed Keelan Martin, and they drafted Cassius Stanley. That was it. Yeah, pretty bad. That, like, if, so when you talk about how big this offseason is, when it's stacked up against some of the offseasons of the past, yeah. yeah, I do expect this to be a very big offseason for the Pacers, but not the biggest. Yeah, you know, it, it's not the most crucial one. And that's kind of where I like looked at it in terms of the word crucial. I don't think it's like make or break. You got to get things right this year or things could really go to haywire. No, I think it's I think people always act like every offseason is the biggest offseason of for their team just because you're excited. You want to see moves. But I think you put a graphic out not too long ago talking about the free agents in this class. There's not a lot there. What no, players what players are there going to be available in trade? I mean, we saw last year, like it was seemed like there was going to be a, a very busy offseason. And then Kevin Durant just dried up the entire market with his trade request. So, you know, who knows if there's a player out there that does something similar to that this offseason? You just never know, Fonch. So that's why I think the league is just ever changing. The salary cap is going to go up. I, I still think that there's opportunities moving forward where there could be more of a crucial one. Once Tyrese hits his prime and he's, you know, in the middle of that extension. That's when I get a little bit worried because you want to make sure that you, you do enough to keep him happy here. But let's move on to our next question. This one comes from Randall Wood. He said, what is one of the main things that you are looking forward to seeing with this team for the rest of the season? Purely developing the young talent. I yep. don't care if we don't win another game, but I want to know who is sticking around in this rotation moving forward. If I had, you know, if I was going to break it down a little bit further, it's, Benedict Matherin starting or playing more with the starting five. I want Jalen Smith back. I want to see more Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. Maybe that's just me being greedy. But the number one thing, you got to develop the young players. Yeah, I said I'm looking forward to seeing a youth movement in terms of the rotation. I want to see more Kendall, more Nawara, more Jalen, more Ajax, and more Nimhard as the lead ball handler with the second unit. I mean, everything you said, I'm just echoing and maybe adding a few more things to it. It's just we both are in agreement. We know what McConnell is. We know what Miles Turner is. We know what Buddy Hield is. We know what uh, 
Daniel Tices, James Johnson, we, we George Hill. We don't need to see those guys. It's awesome that they're on the team. Let them get some rest. They're getting paid. They don't get paid per game. So it's like, you know, maybe there are some bonus incentives where, like, if a guy's plays so many games, like, I totally get that. I think Drew Holiday did that. I think it was last year he, like, played the first tip of the game and then yeah. fouled immediately to come out. But it was because he got a bonus if he played all, like, all a number of games and that was, like, that certain number to get him there. So I get all that. But, I mean, we just want to see consistent minutes for some of these young guys to prove what they got. Yep. The next question, we got Zachary Barnett. He said, who is your favorite personality on the team? Personally, I love James Johnson. That's what he said. Yeah, I mean, James Johnson's a cool guy. I don't think there's anything wrong going with that. I, I just said I got to go buddy here. You know, he's a pretty funny guy. Seems like a great hang. Uh, Tyrese would be the easy answer here, I think, for a lot of people because he's so relaxed, so cool. You know, he's dope as all get out. But, you know, buddy isn't Tyrese's best friend for no reason. So, I just think, you know, Buddy Hill's always cracking jokes, laughing, but he's a little bit uh, quiet when he's on camera. But I think off camera, Buddy might be a fun hang. I agree with you. I did take the cop out answer. I went Tyrese Halliburton. I figured, I think yeah. I, I think I'm a little bit biased because when he came on the show, we were really like talking about wrestling and everything. I was yeah, like, true. this is just my guy. This is my franchise right here. But if I had to pick one more, I'm going Buddy Hill and just to. Fun fact for everybody, uh, we had Andrew Nemhard on, and I got to speak with him offline. He was – I was like, Andrew, who would be like an underrated good interview? First name out of his mouth, Buddy Heald. He's like, Buddy's hilarious. Yeah. So I feel like Buddy would just be someone that you could generally enjoy hanging out with, crack a bunch of jokes, and uh, I got to say, it's got to be Buddy and Tyrese as your top two. But at the same point, hey, if you like a James Johnson, I'm more than fine with that. I bet James Johnson has a lot of great stories from his NBA career. So that wouldn't be a bad one. I think George Hill would be kind of cool too as well. Uh, just kind of pick his brain on everything that happened in the old days with the Pacers and how things were about. Just kind of see what he had to say. But that, that's that's where I'm at with that. But let's move on. Next question from Pacer Faithful, Chuck and Jamie. What are your predictions for what happens with all the bigs this offseason? Who stays and who goes? First of all, shout out to James Johnson. It's his birthday when we're recording this. Oh, uh, nice. I'll, I'll start with him. 2 Mm-hmm. I'll start with him and just basically say, uh, look, this could be the last year for James Johnson. I believe this is year 14. He's 36 years old. He didn't really play that much this year. So I don't know if James Johnson comes back or is in the league next year. We'll, we'll see. Uh, next, Daniel Tice essentially will be an expiring contract next year. I think the Pacers make a, a solid effort to move Tice Maybe it's an offseason, maybe it's midway, but I don't think he finishes next year as a Pacer. But you know what? I said that for this year. <laughs> um, then uh, at, at next, uh, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson. I want to see him duke it out for that remaining five, uh, backup five spot, and I hope that one of them takes the job. I think the window of Jalen Smith being our starting four has probably been shut. Maybe there's a little bit of a draft in there if it's a little bit creep, you know, <laughs> Creeped open at the bottom, but I I, I don't think uh, Jalen Smith's going to be the starting four, but I I do want to see him get another shot. Yeah, I didn't even really consider James Johnson with this because I think of yeah. bigs, I think of more centers, yeah. which is which is Miles, Tice, Jalen, and Isaiah. But, you um, know, good, good point. I, I think you can kind of tie my uh, point in here with Tice for James Johnson, just roster space, because – I feel like there's going to be a lot of opportunities here for the Pacers to to add some draft picks. Mm -hmm. And they don't have any really free agents, I think, outside of O'Shea Brissett this year and George Hill. So if they bring O'Shea back and they want to bring George Hill back, then they don't have any room. So that to me is like you got rid of Goga, you got rid of Terry Taylor and the and the waving of this 
things. And Jordan Awar is an expiring contract as well. He's a big James Johnson is an expiring this year as well. So, you know, I just think with Tyus, like you said, he'll be an expiring in 2024. And I think that makes his contract a little bit more appealing to move off of, but I think they're just specifically, specifically going to look to rid, get rid of him because of his roster keeping, you know, just taking up a roster spot. And then I said, I, I think they could find a home for Jalen Smith. I don't necessarily think it's a long-term plan here with Jalen after everything that's happened, you know, kind of came back on like a short-term deal, very low on money. But I, I think the one thing is who do the Pacers draft? Because if the Pacers draft players at his position, when is he going to get playing time? And I think Carlisle can talk to him, Pritchard, Buchanan, all the front office can talk to Jalen and say, hey, look, you know, we appreciate you coming back and Unfortunately, things didn't work out here. Where can we trade you to? Where do you want to go? Kind of like they did with Brogdon, find a home for him and try to make a fair trade and, and see if that team has interest. But other than that, I think IJAX is here to stay. I think Miles is here to stay. I agree with that. Um, and hey, Jalen Smith, I, I, I still hope it works out, but I, I fear for the worst. But we will uh, we'll see that remaining 22 games. Uh, next question, Samuel Colbertson. Who in this draft class that we could draft realistically do you guys like? It could be multiple prospects. Okay, so just I want to put this out here first. I, I'm not going to dive into why uh, for these players because we have a ton of draft coverage coming up pretty much from March until the draft happens in June. So you're going to be hearing a lot of my opinions on the draft. I've been working on my big board, Fachi, trying to get it all figured out, and I'm only about 20 to 25 players deep right now sorting out my players and I've moved some guys here and there, but I will say this in our draft range, you know, we're currently six worst record in the NBA. So I will say, keep your eyes on Jairus Walker from Houston that was my guy. Yep. and Cam Whitmore from Villanova. Those are my two guys right there. Fudge. Both power forwards. Uh, you know, look, Brandon Miller, I don't think he's going to be there for the Pacers, especially not six. We would have to, no, we'd have to get into the top four. I think he's going to go at three or four. Um, Jarese Walker, that, that's that's who I have my eyes on. I, I think most mocks they have him at four to six. This mm-hmm. is a freshman power forward out of Houston, averaging eleven points, six and a half rebounds, shooting fifty percent from the field, thirty eight percent from three. Everything I read on him feels like, hey, this would be this would be a really good pick for the Pacers. We're both clearly in that same headspace of I would love to draft a power forward if possible. This draft has a lot of good guards in it. We already know we've been down. Uh, they got, there's a lot of good wings though, too, Fachi, in this draft. And there's some there's some guards I think could play wing position as well because there's some taller guards in this draft. I will say this about Walker real quick. I know the numbers don't sound great, like you read off. You know, just like saying six that. Isn't yeah, great. look at the last like 14, 15 games. Much better numbers, higher three point percentage, higher points per game. I think he was averaging around like 17 points over the last 15 games in the 40 percent range for three point shooting. So. He's improving. He's a freshman. Uh, my only concern, he's got a very similar body build. And I said I wasn't going to get deep into it, but here I am. Uh, to like Zion, uh, Julius Randle, those kind of bigger builds. So, you know, I was talking with some people off air about this on a text message, and it's just like, I like the potential of him, but can he guard one through three in space, or is he going to be only able to guard fours and fives? And I don't know yet. That's where I got to dive deeper into. That's why I don't want to get too deep into it. But that's like my my only concerns. But I really like the way he's projecting as a prospect. Hey, part of the big reason why Houston just jumped to number one in the rankings in college. So yeah, um, you know you, you got to love that. But yeah, the the rest there'll be a lot more draft coverage coming out. The problem is right now the Pacers are either picking 
in the very beginning, maybe sixth overall, or then they're not picking again until 26 to 32 yeah. right in that range. So there's a lot of good talent in the middle that it's hard to just imagine the Pacers making that trade yet. But if the Pacers were to move up into like, say, right around 14, 15, our answers could be totally different. Are we given picks like for a later pick too? I, I just went with initially. I just started out with with sixth overall. It was too hard to start okay. looking. I think we have a couple other questions in the mailbag that that I did throw out some later projection uh, projections on. But okay. for this, I just went with like who would be one of my top asks if we could pick a guy in that four to six range. Okay, I'll, I'll just throw a name out there if you're wanting a later pick potentially. Taylor Hendricks. Okay, I'll keep Taylor Hendricks UCF. If you're interested. Look him up. There's been a, some conversations about him with Sam Vecini and his podcast, uh, the Ringers Draft Podcast with Kyle, J. Kyle Mann and Kevin O'Connor. They did a deep dive on him a little bit. I'm just telling you, as someone that's kind of under the radar, maybe in that 15 to 25 range, he's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, I won't say anything else. Let's move on, Fachi. Number six, Tyler Christian said, do Carlisle's increasingly questionable rotations were you that he might not be the right guy to be the head coach of the ongoing rebuild? Lloyd Pierce may be his lead assistant, but he's done a very admirable job for the games where he's been the interim. Uh, no, look, there's definitely been some questionable rotations, no doubt about it, but it's aided to losing, which is aiding to getting us a better draft pick. And yeah. if Carlisle didn't make some of the questionable decisions that he did last year, then we don't end up with Benedict Mather in sixth overall. Yeah. And right now, I mean, there's times that I, I think we all know the best players might not necessarily be out there at all times, but I think there's a bigger picture and there's no way to ever be like, well, what do you mean I'm tanking? I mean, you can't just flat out say that. So yeah. it's just like, you know, he's making some interesting decisions, but I think come draft night, it could very well pay off. And when you give Carlisle a team that could be more ready to win than this one, I think then he'll show this is why he's a Hall of Fame worthy NBA champion head coach. Yeah, I mean, Rick has done more good than bad. Let's be honest. You know, some of the bad is overblown for sure, but I agree that Rick is stubborn when it comes to playing veterans over rookies so that that is a big concern and i understand that point of view but you know he's been a great addition to the pacers um i like him here i trust him specifically in the playoffs i, I think that if you look at any assistant on this team compare their resume to carlisle's it's you know it doesn't even stand a chance so yeah. i think you know carlisle is best in a series like that so i'm not writing carlisle off i don't think the guys are tuning him out and to be honest with you Every single, it feels like every single player on the team that's talked about him openly has had good things to say. Now, there's been stuff I've heard off air, maybe with some things that, you know, some guys were a little frustrated with their rotations, but that's going to be normal with any guy that's not getting minutes. So I'll just say this I, Lloyd Pierce has done a good job and Rick's not been here, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't love his tenure in Atlanta, Fachi. I, I didn't love the hire. There's a reason he got fired uh, immediately. He had Nate McMillan come in to be his assistant, and Nate just outcoached him. And, and I think Nate's been a better coach for Atlanta, despite everything that's happened down there. I just think Lloyd Pierce, um, for me, Foch, maybe maybe you learn from your experience, and maybe you will be a good head coach one day. I mean, four or five years from now, maybe he's the head coach of the Pacers. Who knows? Um, but I, I just I'm not buying into Lloyd Pierce totally. No, one of the better assistant coaches. Definitely a better assistant coach from where we were in the Nate Bjorkman era, where I mean, you barely even had Greg it. Foster. Yeah. So look, I, I think that there's a bigger picture. Rick's playing chess. 
We just got to wait until we get the right pieces before we're ready to, you know, go out there and win for real and make a run at the playoffs. Yeah, so for sure. Next question we have Chase, simply known as Chase, just said, uh, do you think the Pacers would take Scoot Henderson if we end up with a second overall pick, even though we already have Halliburton as our main guy? Or do you think we trade down for Brandon Miller, Amen, Azar, et cetera? Yeah, that's a, a sore Thompson is his name. Sore, I know it's it's gonna be points. it's gonna be one yeah. you get familiar with, people. Oh yeah. A man and a sore Thompson. So, you know, I've said it wrong before too, but I've been listening to a lot of draft stuff, just like a, probably a lot of you guys have. But you know, this is this is a great question here though, Fach. I think the front office would tell us that you always take the most talented player in the draft and figure it out. You know, Scoot would be the number one pick in a lot of previous drafts and future drafts, but based on his projections and talent, uh, you know, just unfortunately is in the same draft class as Victor Wimanyama, one of the most incredible prospects we've seen in NBA history. So, you know, it, it would be a small lineup with Benedict, Scoot, and Tyrese, but we've seen Carl Alpine success with four guard lineups. So, you know, I think that it does make sense to just take him and figure it out. But if he could trade with the third team in, in, in the draft and get a future pick by just moving back one spot, though, I think Indiana does it, especially if they get Brandon Miller. I, I, I honestly think Brandon Miller right now is better than Amin Thompson just for what Rick Carlisle likes to do that. They need to get better on defense, and Amin Thompson is a terrific defender, but he's a point guard himself, Foch. So that's one of those things, too. It's like he's a six foot seven point guard, which I think would be interesting to have two ball handlers out there, but he's not a good shooter, and that's Amin Thompson. So, you know, I just I just think if they could get Brandon Miller and trade back one spot to get a pick next year that's like top one protected or something like that, then I think you have to look at that as just like getting another asset, moving back one spot. It, very, it feels very similar to me, though, Fachi. When Boston traded down with Philly from one to three to get Jason Tatum at three, and Philly moved up and got Markel Fultz. Now Markel Fultz did not work out in Philly, but he's done an admirable job in Orlando as their point guard. I think he's just needed a needed to go somewhere where there wasn't as much pressure. But that to me is where I'm at. But you know, if you're if you're thinking about trading back to like five or six, I think that's too far of a jump. Yeah. There was this quick moment where I was like, who are we to turn down Scoot Henderson to say we already have other players? But then I started thinking about, you know, I love me a good mystery box. But the idea of trading down just one pick to get a guy like Brandon Miller and get enough back, a few assets back is very appealing. It reminded me of last year when the Pacers, there was talks that the Pacers wanted to trade up from six to four with Sacramento. And do you remember what Sacramento was offering? For just two, I mean, to what they were asking for to slide yeah. back two picks, it was going to be like two first round picks, a promising young player. Like all of a sudden, it felt like so much for just two picks. If the Pacers had the opportunity to slide back just one pick and potentially get maybe another first round pick, a, another young player, and get a guy like Brandon Miller at a, a spot where they need, it's that's hard to pass up. That really mm -hmm. is. So while we we shouldn't be getting greedy, saying ah, eh, we don't need Scoot Henderson. Getting a player like Brandon Miller is 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 not chump change. He he will be good in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, Fosh, because a lot of people love Scoot Henderson. I love Scoot Henderson. Oh, yeah. I think he's a great player, super athletic freak. You know, that's somebody you wanted to see more of in the uh, Rising Stars games. You know, I think it, I'm a little bit down on him because of just that. Well, you can't ago, do that. You can't ago, do that. Like, this is a star, and I know it's not right. We're talking about one All Star Weekend type game. Yes, look. Scoot's going to be a stud. He is. And if the Pacers were to draft him compared to trading back a pick, I would still be absolutely thrilled because you just make it work with the best talent available. Yeah. But it's good options to have. 
I just think sometimes we overthink these things. And if you have Scoot out there, I don't even know how tall he is. I think he's like 6'4", 6'5", maybe. I think he's actually like 6'3", 6'4". Is he smaller? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tyrese is 6'5", six 6'6". Foot six foot six. Yeah. Matherin, 6'6". Six six. So it's not like you're just having a bunch of 6'3 guys out there playing basketball. So you have enough size where you could make it work. So I, I'm just saying, like, if you feel like Brandon Miller is, like, close enough to Scoot Henderson in terms of, like, what you want from your team – then that makes sense to me, but I six two for Scoot. Okay, so he is a lot smaller. I don't know why I was yeah. saying he's bigger. It's probably because of his fro, and it's probably because of how high he gets off the ground. I mean, yeah. the guy can just be a high flyer. But is he going to want the ball in his hands a lot? That to me is the only question. So. And if he is, you know, how does that mess with Tyrese? You know, it's very far fetched. We we jump up to two though, Fosh. <laughs> it really is. And <laughs> I was like really getting into the weeds of this. And I was like, all right, are we even going to move up? Last year, we moved back in the draft. So, yeah. you know, it, it would be tough. But, uh, you know, it's just Brandon Miller at 6'9", small forward, is such a position of need for the Pacers. So that's very appealing. But it would be a great spot to be in. I could not complain if the Pacers yeah. move up in two. And, and the Pacers could just pull a Sacramento. I mean, honestly, stay where they're at. Take the guy they like and not feel like they have to be forced into taking him. If they want Brandon Miller and they're there at two and they want to take him, because I'm not going to jump back to four if I don't think the guy that I want is going to be there. And if you think Brandon Miller is the guy, right, I'm just saying you don't jump back to four if there's a chance you couldn't get him at three. So I think if he really is the guy they want, then just take him at two and, and deal with it later. I mean, nobody says you have to follow everything to a T. I mean, everybody last year did not have Paolo going first to the Magic, and then all of a sudden everything flipped on draft night because they knew that the Magic were going to take him over Jabari Smith, and that put Jabari Smith at the third pick when everybody thought he was going one or two. So, you know, I, I just say don't overthink it, but let's move on. Question number eight here, uh, I forgot to put the person down who wrote this. So, anyway, it says, what is your prediction for the final record of the Pacers, and do they make the play? And I think this might have been Ricky Kelly. Very well could have. You know, Ricky is usually good for questions, so yes. we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I think it was Ricky. I'm sorry, Ricky. I forgot to write your name down when I Ricky definitely let, let us know if this was you, but I'm going with 31 and 51 or 32 and 50. No play in for us. Yeah. I So we talked about this on our rest of season preview, which will be releasing on this Monday as we're recording. So you'll be hearing that before you hear this. Um, personally, me and Fachi, we, we went to the records. I think we had five to six wins yes. each which seems a little bit low. I said probably going to be closer to 8 and 14 probably is the is their final record of their last 20 22 games I think they have 8 yeah. and 14 mm-hmm. kind of feels right maybe they go 7 and 15 something like that. Maybe they get a win here or there that we didn't give them, but you know, it's one of those things where I think the Pacers are looking bigger picture here and you don't be surprised if they try to lose on purpose. So I I don't think playing's going to be in play, but at the same point you know, like you said earlier, I think you said on that show, Chicago, their pick is top four protected, not top eight. It's top four protected for this is year. It? Wow. I thought it was yeah. top eight. That must have been that, last year. That was the year when they got, when they actually uh, gave they the, tra- the trade. Okay. Yeah. So it's actually top four protected. Ooh. So I don't think they're going to be able to lose enough games to get there. So they're probably going to try to continue to win with their veterans, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Vucevic. They're not going to be ones to tank. So. I think that keep an eye on them, but let's move on to the next question. All right, next question. Jeff Dunham said, does the NBA All-Star game force at least one player from every team on the roster like the MLB one does? <laughs> yeah, so no, they don't They do not do that, but they, they do try to get everybody involved in some way with skills challenge, with three-point contests, with the slam dunk contest, with the rookie stuff. 
refresh my memory if I'm wrong, but I think there's only four teams that weren't represented at this All-Star Weekend, and that was the Charlotte Hornets didn't have anybody there, Fachi's Washington Wizards, Kevin Durant's Phoenix Suns didn't have anybody there, unless I'm forgetting somebody, but Durant wasn't there. He was on one of the rosters, but he didn't go to the – he wasn't there, I don't think, playing in the game, obviously. No Devin Booker, no Chris Paul, uh, no DeAndre Ayton. Uh, and then Brooklyn. Brooklyn didn't have anybody because they traded all their guys that were going to be there. So those were the only four that I could think of off the top of my head that weren't represented this weekend at NBA All-Star Weekend. But 26 teams out of 30 is still a pretty good amount uh, to, to kind of showcase the league and let you know some guys get some some love there. Yeah, I mean, you know, you covered it all, all accurate. Uh, you know, the Magic, the Rockets, the Spurs, they squeezed in for like the, the skills challenge. Oh, the yeah. Spurs. Spurs. Did you mention yeah. the Spurs? Yeah. No, that Jeremy Sohan was out there. Uh, you're right. Yeah. So they, they found the Wizards would have been out there if they didn't have stupid Corey Kispert and, <laughs> you know, uh, Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis. Davis? Oh, my God. People forget Johnny Davis is even playing basketball. Anyway. Think, about, think about this the Wizards could have had Malcolm Brogdon as their starting point guard or draft Johnny Davis, and they picked Johnny Davis. Talk Johnny about Davis, it. He's averaging one point. One point on the year. So, talk Not, about it. I was bad. at the game. Johnny Davis came in, all right? So the Pacers are down 22 points. <laughs> Johnny Davis comes in, and I'm like, oh, look at that. Like throwing the rook a bone. He steps out of bounds the second he touched the ball, and he didn't touch it again. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, man. It was a hard fall for Johnny Davis. But, hey, I'm ready to move on. What do you got? Uh, last one here, Fachi, number 10. This one comes from Rooster, our good friend that you owe a jersey to. I owe a jersey to. <sighs> we. Yeah. we owe a jersey. Yeah. I, I, I got a little ahead of myself. But he said, if you could pick one player in the NBA to add to this roster as a starting power forward to add to a starting lineup of Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, Buddy Heald, and Miles Turner, who would it be? Giannis. All right, right over there. I mean, you can't okay, go let's, wrong. Let's be realistic, though. Well, I mean, he said pick one player. I know. I mean, I would have picked Giannis, too. That's like saying the best player in the NBA. Let's. Well, I, yeah. Do you have an answer for realistic or no? I, I just went with Giannis. I, I didn't know we had to okay. that. You know, what do you got? Okay, so I said this is a tough question. I said if the Pacers could get this player, I'd probably – if the Pacers, Pacers could get this player, I'd probably look at Pascal Siakam. Okay? Oh, man. Awesome. Um, the OGs, the John Collins, the Obi Toppin names, they're below – a tier than Siakam yes. is. Siakam's a special player, in my opinion, you know. Mm-hmm. And one player that could be intriguing, but I think Rick would pull his hair out if they uh, try to trade for Cat. <laughs> okay. Carl okay. Anthony Towns could be Rick, a guy on the move. Rick's got to have hair in order to pull well, hair whatever out. Whatever hair so. he has, that's yeah, the whole joke. Okay. All right. Whatever hair go. Rick has left, he would be pulling it out if the Pacers traded for Carl Anthony Towns. Now, Carl Anthony Towns, there's a lot of speculation that he might go to the Knicks. Because of his connection with New York. Now, hear me out, Fachi. I'll hear you. This team implodes in the offseason. Bring this man home, reunite him with the G2 zone, Paul freaking George. Oh, I mean, it'd be magical. It really would at this point. Paul George is what this team is missing. I'm just I'm just saying at this point, I understand that everybody hates Paul George. Tyrese Halliburton has asked the fans to stop booing. If Paul George reunited, came back to Indiana, I think that would be a miraculous story. Now, I don't think he wants to leave California for here. I'm just saying. But Tyrese Halliburton is a special point guard. If he feels like the window has shut with him and Kawhi and that group out in L.A., then I would be aggressive on that. Now, that's that's my pipe dream. That's my Giannis answer, I guess you could say. But I think 
based on what Toronto does, I mean, I think that Pascal could be somebody that could be available. Could. Can't say that he can't be, depending on the direction of, of where Toronto goes. I mean, they're, they're in a really weird spot. I mean, not, not many expected them to trade assets for Jakob Hurdle when he's going to be a free agent, but they did. <laughs> it. Um, and they didn't sell any of the guys that are hitting free agency. So we'll see. But you know, it's, a, it's a fun question to ask. Um, you know, you told me Giannis wasn't believable, which obviously he isn't. But then you named a couple guys that are going to be I said if things implode. to acquire. But Paul George is not the face of the franchise. Carl Anthony Towns is no longer the face of the franchise for the Timberwolves. It's Anthony Edwards. Yeah. yeah. I think I think you would say Kawhi Leonard is the face of the franchise for the Clippers, right? You should. You should. Yeah. Right? I mean, maybe Paul's the face. I mean, they're kind of faces together. Yeah, but they're like 1A, 1B. You know? But I'm just saying Giannis is like MVP oh, level, it, the best not, player in the league. It, exactly. You know? It's not happening. I can definitely – Tell myself that that will never happen. But, uh, hey, look, there's there's very few guys that if you add to this team as a starting power forward would take this team to the true next level. I think when you touched on Siakam, he is one of those that gets us past just being a play playoff appearance team mm-hmm. and could actually be winning a series or two. Right. So, hey, it's, it's fun, but we're just going to have to wait and see uh, who actually becomes available. And I think this is exactly why – you're happy the Pacers have as much assets available right. as they do going into this offseason. Absolutely, Fachi. So this is part one of the mailbag. So hope you guys enjoy that. Part two will be coming out tomorrow, and we're going to have nine questions for you. So we had 10 there. We'll have nine tomorrow. We were supposed to do 14 to 16, but we let a couple extra slide in there. So thank you, everybody, for your questions. Fachi, let people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. And you can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. But Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. You can go to youtube.com slash head in the pace of Pacers podcast and subscribe to our channel for all of our video content. want to thank you all so much for those that have done it already. If you're listening to this on the audio platform, thank you very much. If you found us on YouTube and you're now an audio listener, thank you as well. So, Fachi, if you're excited for the Pacers to be back in action, but you're hoping that they position themselves for a better draft pick, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.